Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Standing by the Terry and Ted podcast is sponsored by Jaguar Land Rover Laval. Get out of the big city and experience a construction zone free test drive. There is such a thing. Good day to you, sir. And good day to you as well. Uh, it's uh, time for a, another edition of Standing By. Standing By. It's the uh, Terry DeMonte and Ted Bird uh, podcast. How about that, Ted What Bird? do you know about those apples? Apparently all the kids are listening to the podcast. That's what I hear, yeah. <laughs> these kids, to these crazy kids today in the interwebs and... Uh, you never know. I know that there's a lot of good <laughs> pornography on there, but apparently podcasting's all the rage as well. <laughs> we're uh, we're uh, fairly new to the game, but uh, as we were just telling our good friend Pantelis, uh, Jesus, we're having fun. Yeah, we sure are. Yeah, it's uh, it's like the early days of the old radio. It is. Yeah, yeah. it is. It's uh, podcasting is, and I don't know if it was you or Pantelis who described it as the wild, wild west. Yes, it was me. I, we were walking down the hall yesterday, and I said, "That's what this is like." Yeah. You know, there's uh, there are no bosses hovering. There's uh, there are no rules or <clears throat> there are no governing bodies. There are no uh, corporate masters. There's none of that. Yeah, well, that's until that whatever that legislation is that uh, the government's trying to pass to regulate the internet. Once that yeah. passes, then yeah. they'll probably shut you and I down. To, yeah, right away. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be about enough of those two. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but we're very fortunate in that we are broadcasting from the Pantelis Comedy Studios. And uh, Pantelis and his team are well-established in the podcast game and have graciously offered us a foot in the penthouse door. So In it's the heart of downtown place. Uptown. uptown. <laughs> we're in the, the heart of downtown yeah. uptown. Yeah, we're uptown downtown. Yeah, but we're lucky that we've been able to, to, yes. launch, to launch this uh, with some guys who uh, already know the lay of the land and know what they're doing when it comes to podcasting, including our producer, Poseidon. Yes. Yo. How are you? Poseidon, are you bored yet? No, no, no. I'm okay, fun. he's not yeah, bored we're yet. We're telling all these stories <coughs> and Poseidon, me. what in the Jesus Christ are yeah. they talking about? The hell are they on about? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, we had a, a nice uh, conversation. We broke for lunch. You know, we're recording a, a couple of episodes uh, in a row at the studio today. And uh, that uh, explains the costume changes. We'll get to that in a moment. But we broke for lunch. And uh, Poseidon, you were telling me you were born in 1993. 1993. So we were. That was the we? year we started at Mix 96. There you that go. was the year that we left Shom right. and went to Mix 96. So a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about has uh, no, relevant, or no relevance whatsoever uh, to Poseidon, but uh, he hasn't fallen asleep yet. Nope. 
Not nope. a bit. Nope. Well, he can't because he's got to operate the yep. show. Yeah. And, and also, yet you haven't made fun of us or sworn at us. We're very, uh, you know, because uh, it's not my style, though. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, we, we, but I could if you want yeah. me to. <laughs> <laughs> and <I'll> be, let <laughs> us have it, Poseidon. <laughs> Just let us have it. <laughs> Hurt me, Poseidon. Hurt me, baby. <laughs> <laughs> no, because you can be. You, you've got a. You've got a colorful vocabulary when you're with uh, Mike and and uh, Pendellus. Yes. Yes. Yeah, but yeah. I, I, it comes out naturally i like Does to it? let it yeah, yeah, yeah i like to let it um uh, yeah go with the flow as they say yeah what's the name of your show uh the one that i do alone yeah the, well, or the one that you did the one i heard the other night with with your two buddies and every third word was bro and every fourth word was fuck <laughs> <laughs> bro fuck bro i don't fucking know bro fuck <laughs> it was uh in bed with poseidon yeah and who were your who were your buddies who were on uh, with you i think it was with alex and don this time yeah it was great you should have heard these guys go it was like it was like being at marvin's and eavesdropping on the next table <laughs> yeah, we, we've been friends we've been friends for a while so i guess it kind of comes out naturally and yeah, we were yeah. drinking a bit Mm -hmm. yeah. I was a little more uh, loosey-goosey, as they say. Yeah, right? bro is very much a thing now <laughs> that yeah. it, with Poseidon's generation that preceded us. Yeah, well, um, I, it's also, I, I think it's Vremont Morielli. Bro? I think, I, I, I no, just, isn't bro culture no, more uh, I, global? I don't know. I, I well, because here's the thing. Bro, you can use it in many variations. You can yeah. be like... Like, uh, like something happens, bro. Oh, bro, yeah, no. Do that, you, yeah. know? you can't see me. But like, if you're or if you're angry, bro. Yeah, you know, you're trying to. <laughs> yeah. You know, now, see that that clipped version of that to yeah. me is very Saint Leo RDP. Uh, I don't know, Myland. Would you agree with that, Poseidon? Or yeah, is that, of course. Yeah, but hey? it's kind of it's kind of the whole island now. Okay, but uh, what to my, me? Sorry, Poseidon. Go ahead. Uh, my generation. Yeah, I don't know. We've adopted the the bro. Yes. What to so, me is very Montreal, and I noticed this right away when I moved here in 1985. Was people ending their sentences in fuck, <laughs> and and now bro has been become part oh, of that. I so see. it's like, bro, what happened to the Habs? Fuck, <laughs> you know, they lost. Fuck, bro. <laughs> and and I figured out how that where or I assume this is my educated guess as to where that comes from. It's because guys like Poseidon, who grew up in ethnic neighborhoods, yes, in in Montreal. Montreal and spoke like they're, they're he's trilingual without even trying right, right? grow up in a Greek home uh, did you go to an English school uh, no I was supposed to but uh, the thing is my father's a bit uh, retarded does your father listen to the podcast <laughs> he does okay. uh, but uh I mean, what do you want me to do? <laughs> he is what he is, eh? You know, he right. knows. I know. We all yeah, know. He's okay. okay with it. Yeah, but the, but the fuck thing, I, I assume, comes from from uh, in these neighborhoods that are like ethnic enclaves in French yeah. neighborhoods, and in in France, uh, in France, in French, it's like a sti. It's a throwaway yeah, at the yeah. end of a sentence. Yeah, fish or sti. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's where the fuck thing comes from because to me, it's overwhelmingly. Uh, in my experience, has been Italian Montrealers and Greek Montrealers. Yes. Who I hear say that, and then I, and then I think for the like the West Island kind of adopted it, but it just doesn't ring true the way it does we, out in this part of town. We adopted that, but then Park Texas, what we did, we even created our own lingo. Oh yeah, Pig Latin. Yeah. Okay. So so like, um, let's say you want to talk shit about other people. Yeah. You know, but you wanted to say it in English. You didn't want them to know. 
like uh, fuck would be akfe. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I then, would figure that out though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, I'd be on to you. Or like, or like we've even we've even uh, made up lingo like for father we'll say fees. Mm-hmm. Okay. Your okay. fees, and then we pig Latinize that, which is east. Uh, okay. east, east so this, right. so this is yeah. a Park X Greek oh, thing. This is yeah. a Park X one hundred percent thing. Okay. Sometimes oh, we'll say it in public. You know. <laughs> we brought it to another level of uh, fuckery. Yeah. Okay, I think that's so cool, though. Yeah, the, it is. Uh, my my first wife was an Italian from Saint Michelle, and she was trilingual, and right. all her friends were trilingual. Well, it, and that always just impressed the living yeah. shit out of me. But to them, it yeah. was uh, like that was just the way they grew up. Well, of they, course, we're trilingual because we live around these three languages. This was an eye opener to you when you first oh, got Christ, here. Christ, right? was it ever? Yeah. Yeah, and and really truly impressive to me. Yeah. And, and I've been here for thirty five years now, and I still I still struggle in French. I'm one, better better than I used to be. One but. thing is absolute for certain is guys our age should not be using bro. Guys our age, no Christ, no, no. Christ, that no. would just be embarrassing. Knock it off, bro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that would get yeah. you a bro. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'll give you guys a week in Pantel's Comedy Studios. We'll have you sing bro. Oh, uh, you think so? Eh? By the way, we're also fluent in in. Uh, Pig Latin because we used well, to yeah. do it in the studio. That's it's right. me, Birdman. It's <laughs> yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, and actually, another thing, one of our things was was talking backwards. Yes, we used to sing uh, Christmas carols well, backwards. That was used, an annual you Christmas used tradition to do it. on you our used show. Elgnitzleb, Elgnitzleb, Elgnizla at ya ah. So the, are there stupid. recordings of that somewhere? It, it yeah. used to pack me in. Mark, Mark, uh, Mark, Mark, Stafford. Mark, 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 Mark Stafford would have yes. recordings of that. Yeah, okay. um, <laughs> that always packed me in. There was Elnig Schlepp. Yep, deck the halls, which yep. was uh, Sleket. Sle- <laughs> Deck the halls. Kedex law. Right. Kedex law. And then the and then the chorus would be Af al 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 I don't know if anyone else laughed along, but it killed us. Um by the way, uh, we should address your uh, costume, uh, Ted. And and what, this old thing? Yeah, it's uh I, and and I use the word costume jokingly, but it, it uh if you're watching on video, Ted is wearing a shirt from the world of F1 racing. Um, from BAR Honda, I would say in... Actually, you know what? I'm going to put the middle cam. Yeah? Okay, you you're going you're to step in front of the middle cam? No, no, right here. Ted? Yeah, right there here. Right oh, here. Okay. okay. There you go. Ted Bird is modeling the BAR Honda shirt from the F1 oh. Grand Prix back in 1900 and something. Early, no, I would say What was early, it? Well, you know what? Maybe late 90s, early 2000 aughts. It was the team... That Jacques Villeneuve, I think, not only drove for, I think he might have been a Mm -hmm. co-owner. Pardon me. After he won the World Championship with Williams, which was 1997. uh, Yeah, so I think it was the next season, actually, that BAR Honda started up. Definitely the days of tobacco, because uh, one of the big sponsors is Lucky Strike Smokes. That's right. And we knew a guy who was on their uh, garage crew, who was on the pit crew. Mike Legalic, yeah, I believe uh, Mike was the guy who changed the nose cone during the races. Right. Yeah, 
when the car came in for a pit stop, if the nose cone needed changing, I think that was Mike's specific job. And he went on to bigger and better things on different racing circuits. He was a head mechanic at one point. And he got, we knew him from Ziggy's. We used to hang out with him at Ziggy's on Crescent. And he got a bunch of us, these team, like this is a legit. That's a legit team shirt. Team shirt, yeah. Yeah. And and it's like the quality is unbelievable. This shirt's over 20 years old. Yeah. And the quality is is unbelievable. And you were saying you were a little heavier when he gave us those shirts. Yeah, well, this is sitting on me like a set of drapes. Yeah, absolutely. uh, Good for you, Birdman. But I like it a lot. Standing by, the Terry and Ted podcast is sponsored in part by my friends at Matla Bonheur. Normand and his family started delivering mattresses out of the back of a pickup truck uh, some 30 years ago. Uh, Just really passionate about a better night's sleep and a great deal on a great mattress. And they built the company with that kind of honesty and integrity. They deal with mostly local suppliers, uh, Canadian suppliers first. They stay ahead of all the technology in the mattress business. I didn't know there was technology in the mattress business, Ted. Do you? All I know is that I like to have a good schluff. There you go. And uh, if you're going to have a good schluff, you need a good mattress. If you're looking for a better schluff, you got to (laughs) start at my friends at Matla Bonar. They have built this business uh, through all of this, as I said, hard work and honesty and integrity. And staying on top of what the latest uh, technical advantages are in mattresses. For example, I sleep on a mattress that I'd never heard of before. I visited a Matlab on our store called Green Sleep and changed the way I sleep. They can do the same thing for you. You should start online because there's 17 locations now around the greater Montreal area. Matlabunner.ca. We should mention um, uh, people that uh, may have listened to us on the radio over the years heard the word Ziggy's a lot. Um, Ziggy's is uh, still, you know, I think Ziggy's the unofficial mayor of Crescent Street down uh, in the uh, center of Montreal. And um, uh, Ziggy's is headquarters for people who come in for hockey games, people who used to come in for baseball games, people who come in for gymnastics, people who come in for football games, people who come in for concerts. Yeah, it was uh, not unusual yeah. to see a major international yes. star at the bar at Ziggy's yeah. having a cocktail. Everybody from Mordecai Richler to... Uh, Payne Stewart was uh, a regular. Payne Stewart was a regular. Uh, uh, Joe West, the... Uh, the umpire. The yeah. umpire from professional uh, big league, major league baseball. Um, we we had so many amazing nights in uh, Ziggy's and so many exchanges in Ziggy's. Ziggy's was the place where I was uh, sitting in the corner one night years and years and years ago, and uh, my late great pal Skip Snare was bartending, and he brought a beer over to me, and I said, Skip, you know I don't drink beer. He said, this one you're going to drink. It's from that gentleman over there. And Skip pointed around the pole, and from behind the pole, Bob Ganey, the then captain of the Montreal Canadiens, waved at me and raised his beer to me. Well, you don't say no to that beer. And I did not say no to that beer. So Ziggy's was that kind of place, and that's where we ran into Mike, because we were big F1 fans and big Grand Prix fans, and the crews would always get here, the crews, the mechanic crews and stuff, they would all all get here earlier than the actual drivers. So the teams would arrive 
to set up before the drivers and the team principals arrived. So the crews had a couple of days to, uh, shall we say, unwind yeah. in Montreal. And there were certain places. What was the name of the Italian restaurant on Saint Laurent that was a big with the? Uh, oh, um, uh, well, there were two of them across the street from yeah. each other. Yes. There was a thingamajigger yeah. and Hujaka Fivets. The, yeah. Those two restaurants. Why can I not? The well, Globe was the one. Globe was, was it one, the Globe? And, yeah, the Globe was one, but there was another one uh, right across the street, and yeah. and and people are yelling at us yeah, they right are. now because yeah. uh, they know the name of it and. I, Buonanotte? Yes. Thank you. Hey. hey. <laughs> to the rescue. Thank you, Poseidon. Is that uh, still there? No. No. No, no it, it actually, uh, I think, um, I'm not going to go into too many details, but it changed names. Yeah. But it's still the same vibe. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, Buonanotte was a, it was a, it was a, a, a place where all the, you know. That was the, that stars, was the C&B yeah. scene. Yeah, exactly. And that was, that whole strip of yeah. St. Laurent was the C&B yeah. scene. That, that's now, I believe. A ruined street. Well, <laughs> a, yeah, a ruined street. And I think, I think the scene now is uh, down in Griffintown yeah. on Notre Dame Street, is it not? Well, where Joe Beef and all those yeah, places there's are? Yeah, there's a bit of a scene down that way. Um, I, that, it, it, Buenanote was where you would usually spot the drivers, but the, the guys from the crew, the crew, the crews, uh, would hang around on uh, Crescent Street and get right. a couple of days of partying in before. And that's where we met Mike Legalic. And, of course, like uh, the nerds that we were, we would corner him and, you know, pepper him with questions while buying him drinks about yep. F1, the circuit, the drivers, um, the women, mm -hmm. the, you know. Are there any women who hang around uh, race car teams there, and drivers? There seem to be. Yeah? Yeah, there seems to be. I don't I don't know now that uh, there's another thing that has been bought by a company and has changed to be more family friendly. Formula One. Yeah, but yeah. back, you know, there was a, my very first Formula One race was uh, at the circuit, and I had to be dragged there by our good friend Rob Braid, who was a big F1 fan, and I remember Shom, the radio station, had a trailer on the track. Like, not on the track, but in the middle. You know, yeah, yeah. In, the, in the middle. The infield sort of thing. In the thing. infield yeah. kind of thing. We had a trailer there, and you could lean on the frost fence and watch the cars go by. This was before, you know, it, it got... Big, 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 right. and and very, very controlled. But that was a. I always thought that that was a very, very special weekend in Montreal. That Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday of Grand Prix was always the official kickoff to summer. And we've missed it two years in a row. Yeah, and that really yeah. sucks. Yeah. And I don't think we should have missed it this year. I think they could have done it this you think year. So, eh? I think so. Well, they did it in so many other. Yeah. Uh, venues, why not? And I was like you. The first time I came to a race, I was dragged there, and I was living in Toronto. It was nineteen eighty two. And a bunch of my friends said, come on, we're going to Montreal, we're going to the Grand Prix. And I was like, oh, come on, car racing? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Come on, we're going, you'll yep. enjoy it. Okay, fine. And I came, and uh, we sat on the Seneca, what is now known as the Seneca Curve, and I, I had no idea about the sights, the sounds, sounds. the smells, yeah. and I was completely blown away. Yeah. And I was like, I spent the whole weekend glued to the fence, yes, smoking hash and going, <laughs> this is the greatest fucking thing that's ever happened! <laughs> and I came every year. Uh, well, I mean, I, was, there was only two, I only had two more years in Toronto right. after that, but I came both years. And then once, once I came to Montreal... I went as, as often as I could, as many times as I could, but they lost me, <clears throat> pardon me, about however many seasons ago it was, three or four, I guess now, um, maybe five, I don't know, when they changed from yep. 
when they changed from the supercharged yeah. V8 engines to the turbocharged six-cylinder, right. and they're still faster than hell, and the racing is still great, but they lost the sound. Yeah, they, they lost that screaming, yeah. screaming sound. And now, now, now it's, yeah. you know, now it sounds like a really powerful lawnmower. Yeah. And that scream to me, when well, you come up out of the subway, out of the metro at Ile yeah. St. Helene, yeah. and you hear that and you feel it in your chest. Yeah, it, t- it, it would suck the air out of your lungs. It was such an amazing, I think it was, I think there were V12s back Well, then. at one point, they yeah. went, I think they went V12, V12 V10, V8. V8. Yeah. yeah. But they were all, they all had that well, sound. Well, you know what? They bowed to the pressure of, oh, you know, it's anything gas. Yeah, you're going to ruin the planet. planet. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Planet Schmanet. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear the loud race cars and look at the pretty girls. <laughs> well, I think it's cool that you kept that shirt. We, you know, we Yeah, have, well, that's a dandy. Yeah. yeah. We, uh, we were, again, we were, we were very blessed to have some really, really great uh, fun uh at the f1 races over the years and i don't know about you ted but i got to the point where say i say that was it i was for I, formula one yeah i just you know i just i didn't want to go back you know i'd seen i i mean i this i'm i'm sounding like a, a giant asshole but i had seen so many races sort of been there done that kind of thing yeah i just i fell off it. it it was usually when people came in from out of town you know there, there there were people that wanted to you know see the race or stay at my place and go to the race or whatever and i got to the point where i thought you know i've i've been to six or seven of them i've done that uh it takes you 4 hours to get off the island thing well there's that yeah you like know, if and, i and could I get just... helicoptered in at this point that that would be good yeah. that would be if good if you're listening and you have a chopper yeah. ten and I, yeah. i'd love to go i'll tell you one thing right now i'll tell yes. you one thing right now yes. if i was a billionaire Charlie Bird would be driving on the Formula One circuit. Is that right? My son, Charlie, is a car fanatic. And when he was like seven years old, we would take him to Cardomania up on De La Savannah. They had a summer camp, summer go-kart camp. And we would enroll Charlie in the two-week summer go-kart camp. And every year uh, at the end of the camp, they would have a race uh, or a series of races to and a champion at the end, right? He won every year really against kids like when he was seven he was beating 12 year old kids so you all you needed was lawrence stroll all money. i needed was lawrence stroll's money and, and charlie bird could have been like lance, lance stroll. stroll yeah wow yeah. and i'm telling you i'm convinced right i am convinced yeah so's the sq <laughs> <laughs> ask them about charlie they'll tell you <laughs> Hey, he can go that one. <laughs> we almost didn't catch him that time. <laughs> that reminds me of the old Steve Martin gag. First, get a billion dollars. Yeah. How to become a billionaire. Yeah. First, get, get a billion, billion dollars. dollars. <laughs> then. The Standing By podcast is brought to you in part by our friends at the Mersons. The Mersons are a family that have been running the Merson Automotive Shop for over 50 years now, Ted. Ben Merson started the company over 50 years ago. Ben's son, Mark, took over when Ben retired. And Mark's daughter, Kara, took over when Mark retired. And Kara and her husband, Celso, run the shop right now. And not only is it a family-run business, but it's a business that treats customers like family and employees like family as well. Uh, look at Charlie, for example, the service yeah. manager. I think Charlie came with the place. I think, when, uh, I think when Ben opened it up, Charlie was already there. And Bill is actually, Bill 
was there even before Charlie. Yeah. And uh, if you're nice to Bill and you ask him nicely, he might show you his nuts. <laughs> Bill has a Bill has a, a big one of those big Costco sized oh, jar in gotcha. there. He's always that he always keeps by the desk. Okay. So every time I go in, I go, "Hi, Bill. How are your nuts?" And right. He goes, yeah, yeah. I haven't heard that one before, Ted. <laughs> You can call them to make an appointment. And by the way, now you can go online, mersonauto.com. They've got a sophisticated appointment scheduling system that makes sure your wait times will be minimal, your delivery times will exceed your expectations. It's just a great place to bring your car and not have any worries about what's being done and whether or not you're being looked after because that's what the Mersons have built their business on, honesty and integrity for low all these years. You can call them at 487-5545. And like I said, you can visit online at mersonauto.com. You, you you dovetailed into uh, a little bit of Don Scary there, and uh, it reminded me of uh, uh, the time there was there was a point where Don Scary was at its zenith, where you would go to places. You know, we would go out to bars in the day. Do Don Scary, do and, Don yeah, Scary, we, do we, Don Scary. We would go to Quesar in Saint Anne de Bellevue. We hung out there a lot for a couple of summers. And people would, you know, make their way through, and after a couple of beers, they would approach you and, and do that. Yeah. Um, the let's talk about the uh, the origins of Don Scary, and for people who are unfamiliar, it's a parody of a guy of Don Cherry, right? A famous and and now quote unquote disgraced hockey night in right. Canada right. Uh, announcer uh, back in the early nineties, I guess it was. I guess I was. It just kind of happened on the air organically that one day I I imitated. Was it with Lumbee? Don Cherry? No, it was with you. Was it it with started me? with you, yes, really? because we. It happened on the show one morning, and I don't know why we were talking about him, and then I imitated him. Mm-hmm. And Ian McLean, who was the program director at the time, uh, when we met in his office after the show, he said that's got to become a regular character. Mm. He said, and and Ian, to his credit, came yep. up with Don Scary and Coach's Collar. Because Cherry oh, used that's to wear right. those big, that's right. gigantic collars. And so we turned it into a regular feature. They actually, they sold it. It was sponsored and everything. And I did it, I did it on the regular for, uh, I guess, about about 20 years, close yeah. to 20 years. Yeah. And, uh, and I bring it back every now and again these days. And people still seem to like it. Yeah. People who remember it uh, still seem to like it. And... I resurrected the character uh, this spring when the Canadians were on their run to the Stanley Cup final. I thought, well, if ever there was a time to bring Don Scary back. And Tom Whelan, with whom I work, uh, he's he is forever on me during hockey season. Mr. Scary coming by this morning? No. <laughs> and it, it, uh, by the way, it got so big that uh, Ron McLean and Don, Don, Don Cherry were aware of the character. Well, do you remember when... Don Cherry used to do uh, uh, Grapevine, yeah. Don Cherry's Grapevine, yeah. which was a radio bit. Yeah. He did that with Brian Williams. Yeah. And I knew Brian Williams from my days in Toronto when we both worked on the sports beat. And Brian Williams called me up one day and said, I hear you do a really good Don Cherry imitation. We want to surprise Don. We want to, we're going to be recording a, a cop, we're going to be recording an episode of the show, and we want to bring you on on the telephone and you come on and you you say you're the real Don Cherry and accuse Don of being an imposter and stealing the spotlight from you. And I said, oh, okay, we'll do it. So we did it. 
and uh, he was very surprised, and he played along with it. And then at the <laughs> end, when we were when the episode was done being recorded, he came on the phone and he paid me one of the highest compliments I've ever been paid in my career. He said to me, "You do me better than me." <laughs> Because he said I had the mindset, right? He said that, you know, the... the you the, thought like him. Exactly, yeah. But but I thought like him, but then I would exaggerate right. it to a comedic extent. So yeah. if you don't know the character, uh, uh, or if you do know the character and you enjoyed it, then uh, we'll, we'll play one for you here, and I hope that you'll enjoy it. This is from this spring, from the Canadians' run to the Stanley Cup final uh, with my, my current radio partner, Tom Whelan on CHSV Light 1067 in Hudson, Quebec. Morning, Todd! Mr. Scary, always a pleasure to see uh, you, sir. I'll tell you a whole bunch of things right now. Montreal Canadiens are right on the bicuspid of another Stanley Cup final. <laughs> And thank God, Todd, referee ink was not a factor last night. You know, last night I saw that the video replay referee was half of my all-time favorite referee tandem. It was Don Van Massenhoven. Oh. I used to like it when he worked with Mike Hasenfratz. <laughs> Hasenfratz and Van Massenhoven. Sounds like they'd call a good game, move your assets offshore, and get you off the hook for tax fraud on a technicality. And let me tell you another thing right now. I don't understand Peter the Boar for the life of me, the coach of Vegas. Yeah. Backup goalie Robert Leonard steals one in game four, but then the Boar comes back with Flurry, who gave one away in game three. All I can figure is Leonard had a prior commitment as an extra on the latest episode of Vikings or as Opie Winston in a stage adaptation of Sons of Anarchy. You ever seen this guy? What a hard case he is. That tough-looking guy, boy. Exact opposite of Cole Cornfield, <laughs> who looks like he shows up at the game in a little Lord Fauntleroy suit carrying his Scooby-Doo lunchbox. But he can score. How old is he, Todd? 11? <laughs> he's this many. He's mature beyond his years, though. He plays like he's 16. <laughs> anyway, Cole Cornfield's going to be a great one for a long time, boy. I'll tell you right now. Yep. Want to wish everybody a happy John the Baptist Day. Boy, there was a tough guy, eh? John the Baptist. Oh. You know how he died, right? No, tell me. Got his head cut off by Kink Herod. Uh-oh. Right in front of Chris Lee, no call. <laughs> You're listening to Ted Bird in the Morning. All you kids out there, don't call your great aunt Effie a f- Light 106.7. Sometimes it's funnier with the horn yeah, than with the swear word, eh? Is it just me or is it harder to catch your breath as you got older doing that one? No, it's not no? too bad. Okay. What's, what's interesting about that is, uh, is if I don't do it for a while, yeah. uh, then the first time out that I do it, I... I I run out of voice because the voice box yeah. is like a muscle, like any other muscle in your body. Mm -hmm. I find, and I don't know if you found this, after two weeks of holidays, yes. I come back and I yeah. do a show, and at the end of the first show, yeah. I'm kind of like this, yeah. whether I'm doing Don Scary or not. Well, I've actually, in this little recording uh, party we've been having. Well, there you go, because been, you have, yeah. I Because I haven't done this since the 28th of May. 
So it's um, uh, we've got the water bottles handy, and there's a lot of. Sounded like I think that might just be the old be us well, being older. I was going to say it sounds like a corner at the Pierrefonds Tavern <laughs> in 1975. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember those days when the taverns were just guys? I do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I rem- I yeah. remember going to yeah. uh, what was the one in the point? The famous one? Mannions. Yeah, Mannions was. Yeah, uh, in boy, the point. I remember. Go- uh, I missed that place, boy. Yeah. Numero deux avec Mash yeah. Oh yeah. boy, I'll tell you. And you know what? That's one of those places yeah. where I think the first time I went in there was like 1979, yeah. and I was served by Serge. And then when I went back in there in 1992, I was served by Serge. Yep. He was still there. And they had the leather pouches. And they could make change faster than an ATM yeah. machine. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you say, bring the bill, please. Yeah. <clears throat> they put the money on the on the counter. That was one of those places that if you had guests come in from out of town yeah, and you wanted a, to show yeah. them the town and show them uh, well, it, like a real taste of Montreal, Montreal you'd yeah. take them to Mannion's. Mannion's Beauties is another one. And you know, I lived in Griffintown. It was like hell on earth for me for almost two years. And I used to drive by what they've put at that corner. Didn't they an, build condos? They built another green, gray, black fucking box of shit <laughs> at that corner. And it really, to me, I don't know anything about it. I'm not designing the city. But boy, has that ever taken away from that neighborhood. Yeah, well, that's a lot of character, yeah, boy. and I get it. You know, Mannion's, I, I don't know what the problem was. I think the land just became too valuable. Right. But uh, that's uh, that's the kind of the kind of flavoring in the city that that uh, that I miss. Um, back to Don Cherry for a second. Um, I never asked you about this. What did, what did you think of the whole debacle that ended up? Well, I mean, I don't want to get political. Yeah, but no, it, no, I don't either. And and I think that his fatal mistake was when he said "you people." Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, as soon as you say that, racist. Yeah. Did yeah. he stay at the party too long, though? I think maybe. I think yeah. Maybe he was there. Just yeah. A, a, yeah. A I, yeah. Yeah. He was maybe maybe even more than a, yeah. a year or two. Yeah. And uh, I think his heart was always in the right place. Big time. I don't think that he was racist. I don't think so. Uh, and uh, he had. Uh, uh, an enduring uh, love and respect for military and first responders, and that's where that the incident yeah. that ultimately got him fired yeah. was. You know, he's when he said "you people," and yeah. he was talking about people who wouldn't wear poppies or yeah. who didn't think it was important. To to uh, one of the things about him was, uh, to his credit, he always said, "Well, the way my job's going to end is I'm going to get fired." Yeah, he always knew he was going to get fired. The worst part of that to me was I thought that Ron McLean absolutely threw him under the uh, bus. I, I lo- I've lost a lot of respect for Ron McLean over that, and Ron McLean has just become the most woke virtue signaling, and he's doing it all to hang on to his job by the skin of his teeth. And it's a shame because he's a good broadcaster, but I find that he's just completely prostituted himself to whatever it takes to keep that job. Did you consider not doing it after Don lost his job? Not doing the character? Yeah. Um, well, I just I, only to the extent that I wondered, okay, how relevant is it going to be right. now that he's lost his job? But as right. long as, you know, if people find it funny, yeah. and, well, and the best barometer to me is yeah. whoever's sitting across, yeah. if it made you laugh, yeah. if it makes Tom well, laugh. Yeah, it, it, 
it always packed me in. It always did pack me in because it was such a, a superb imitation. It was such a great parody of the guy. And it always, it gave you opportunities to, you know, do things like, what, what did you call him? Cold corn? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because he does. Well, he, that's what Cherry used to do. He'd mess up yes, all the names, yeah. right? And Caulfield, he does. He, he, he looks like. He's, he looks like he has to be in bed by 10. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, mister, I'm open. Pass it. <laughs> you know what? What? He's going to be like Mike Bossy. Yeah, absolutely. I think. I think he is going to be a Mike Bossy yes. level elite goal scorer, that kid. By the way, Mike Bossy, one of the greatest guys in the history of the game, one of the nicest people you would ever want to meet, and... He owned one of my favorite restaurants in the history of Montreal. Do you remember yeah, the, it? I, you know what? I never ate oh, there. It was the old Mother Tucker's, wasn't yes. it? The old Mother Tucker's in mansion? In the old building, the old engineering building. It's got all kinds of, one of those historic Montreal buildings. And they used to wheel around these giant hunks of roast beef in a, in a, in a cart. And, man, we had some great dinners there. It didn't last very long, but, uh, boy, we, was it great. We worked with him for a little while at CJD. Yeah, he was a, yeah, he was the hockey analyst on yeah. the morning show for a while at CJD. And he, funny, funny, funny guy. What and, a great sense of humor and a great storyteller. Also, I think he scored a jillion goals in his Six, National Hockey well, League. Well, 600-plus yeah. career goals, four Stanley yeah. Cup rings. And uh, and just such a such a nice guy. Yeah. And I, I remember him talking about old timers games and how everyone would be would be fist fighting over the Sudafed and, <laughs> and just told great stories. I think that he's still active in media. Pardon me on the French side. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, I'm not where I'm not sure so. where. Can I get you another Tums? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Honest to God, we've been eating sandwiches and Italian pastries in between shows, <laughs> and I got the I got the full on acid reflux. <laughs> but thanks for not pointing it out. <laughs> thanks for letting that slide. I appreciate it. My boss. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't make me laugh too hard because I'll faint. <laughs> oh, speaking of fainting and yes, Mannions, tell the, you tell the story about the time I, I fainted at Mannions. <laughs> well, yeah, it's one of those you had to be there. But it well, was, no, you tell the story well. It was, um, it, was, uh, it was about 40 degrees. Um, and it was one of those hot summer, humid uh, Montreal July days. Yeah. High and noon. We went down for lunch yeah, after the and show. And Mannion's had a really, really nice patio and it was full of umbrellas and, you know, they, they kept you out of the sun and it was a really great place to, to eat outside. And as soon as the nice weather arrived, people made a beeline down to Mannion's. I don't know how the Christ they didn't stay in, a, in business. They were busy all the time. Well, listen, they did, did they close before they sold? Yeah. Oh, I, they did. I, I, I was going to say they I, I probably just got offered so much money That's that what they I, couldn't yeah. say no. Anyway. For the land. This this one day, um, um, Ted, Ted is not uh, good. <clears throat> not, like, he's not good. I get queasy when it comes yeah, to blood things. and medical yeah. things. Yeah. Yeah. You, you have to, if they're drawing blood out of yeah, you, yeah, you have yeah, to turn yeah, away. Yeah, we can't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he may faint now. <laughs> so on this one day, this very hot day, we're at Mannion's having pints and, uh, and our side's beef. And um, I had just come from, uh, I think I had a heart monitor on. Yep. Um, and I was explaining to Ted, <laughs> I was explaining to Ted, that I was wearing this heart monitor and that, you know, you, you looked at this, uh, you know, this, 
I had a watch on and the thing was reading my heart beating and on the thing that you wore on your wrist, you could look at it and see, you know, how my heart was beating and what my pulse rate was and everything else. And I began to explain this to Ted and showed him the uh, the monitor and showed him where it was strapped to my chest. And Hold on. I'm, I'm a little confused. You had to wear a heart monitor because you had come? Excuse me? You had to wear a heart monitor? I, I'm not understanding. Okay. I had, a, I had a heart monitor on. Okay. Okay. It was monitoring how my heart was functioning for 24 hours. Okay. I'd been to the doctor. Okay, okay. And I was, I had this heart monitor strapped to my chest, and there was a, a reader on your wrist. So okay, okay. it could read how fast your heart was beating and what your pulse was. Okay. Okay. And while he's explaining this to me, in my head, I'm envisioning Terry's heart and all the blood pumping right. and, the, and the whole thing. And Ted goes white, all the blood oh, drains from his face, and he says to me, I think I'm going to faint. <laughs> and he leans sideways and puts his head down on the, the table and says, I'm going to faint. <laughs> I'm gonna, and he can't talk. And I had to go get, I think I... Terry got a wet cloth. Well, you, I think he wet, took your napkin, yeah. dipped it in the water that was on the table, yeah. and he's, he's, he's I'm like doing patting this. patting his face yeah, down. <laughs> like he's my nurse or something. And the waiter is going, uh, yes. Uh, Did they go that? Yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, it was uh, an interesting way to find out that you're not good with uh, all things medical. No, not a bit. And I've gone I've <laughs> gone through that experience many times. Many times. Yeah. Yeah, less so since I since I don't drink or do drugs right. anymore because yeah. quite often if you get a couple of beers in you and yeah. you smoke a joint then it just it it, it yeah. I become that much more susceptible to it. You're right. Time to tell you a little bit about our title sponsors at Jaguar Land Rover Laval. I was up there the other day because I had to reluctantly return the Jaguar F-Type P380 Sports Coupe that they loaned to Terry and me to drive around for the weekend. The last time we uh, recorded some of these podcast episodes, what a beautiful, beautiful car goes like stink too. And that's why I had to also inform them that when they get the photo radar ticket, that'll be for me just to forward that to me. Actually, I don't think it's going to be that bad, but uh, I did see, I did see a flash when I was going across the Illatort bridge uh, in the middle of the night. So that can only mean one thing. Now, when I went back up there uh, to return the car, I was talking to Nino Di Cubelis, who is uh, the president and owner of Jaguar Land Rover Laval, along with his brother Renato. Nino was telling me Jaguar races in the E-Series. You know what I mean? The electric cars. I do. They look like Formula One cars, but they're electric cars. Uh, Jaguar has a team. You know who one of their drivers is? No. Sam Bird. No. Yeah. You're kidding. Yeah, not my son, Sam Bird. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, but a Sam Bird nonetheless. If any of the birds were going to be race car drivers, it would have been Charlie. Yeah. I'm uh, telling you, if I was a billionaire, Charlie Bird would be driving in Formula One right now. Yeah, he is a, uh, to say he's a, a master of uh, automobiles would be a bit of an understatement. When they, uh, when when Jaguar Land Rover Val gives you an F-type for the weekend, it's a good news, bad news kind of deal, eh, Ted? Because the good news is I got an f type Jaguar for you for the weekend. The bad news is you got to bring it back. Yeah. But you know what? You may as well be grateful for the, uh, for the two or three days that we had it. What a spectacular vehicle. And 
it doesn't matter what kind of Jaguar you get yourself into. It's, it's high end luxury and, and pretty good bang for the buck on a comparative level. That F type is a spectacular sports coupe. That's a top of the line sports coupe. And you can get into that for under six figures. And I know, you know, I know a lot of people are going, well, yeah, but, but you know what? There is a market for those cars. Yeah. There are people who can afford those cars and under six figures is a really good deal for a vehicle that beautiful. And as I said to you, when I was sitting in it, it's beautifully designed an absolutely beautiful design for a sports car. And of course, when you're at the dealership, you could also wander over and have a look at the Land Rovers too. And Jaguar Land Rover Laval does it right at every level. They have a spectacular product and they have spectacular service. And that starts at the top with Nino and Renato and goes all the way down. They have a family who work there and it's, it's a family run business and uh, they'll treat you like family. When you go in there, they treat their staff like family. Well, that's because some of their staff are family, but even the ones who aren't family get treated like family. And you will be too. When you go to Jaguar Land Rover Laval they're on car four, uh, corner of Shamity in Laval. That's where uh, the new car dealership is for the certified pre-owned and McLaren Montreal. You're just a little bit south of there on Shamity Boulevard. Go up just to have a look. They'd be fine, pleased to show you their spectacular lineup of vehicles. And uh, I suppose you could ask for a spot of tea because they are British luxury vehicles. <laughs> uh, with Nino and Renato, you're probably better off asking for an espresso. They can probably that round that up for you a lot quicker than a spot of tea. <laughs> you can also visit them online, of course. Visit LandRoverLaval.ca or JaguarLaval.ca. How do you think we're doing, by the way? We're uh, how many are we in? We're we're on. This episode... is numbers. This is episode six. Episode six. Yeah. Are you kidding me? And Dude. we haven't run out of things to talk about yet. You're about to hit forty minutes. Hey, okay, uh, forty minutes. <sighs> <laughs> I am exhausted. I have to lie down. Do you? Forty minutes? Are you kidding me? Well, we always. I don't do. even want to do something I like for forty minutes. We... <laughs> <laughs> We always uh, we always did have a grueling four hour a day schedule, <laughs> people, but we'd always have a whole bunch of songs yeah, in between. Yeah, people always ask me about uh, about our, uh, you know, people always used to say to me, "Boy, it must be nice." Say hey, you work twenty hours a week, and uh, we were on the radio twenty hours a week. Um, most people who uh, who did radio programs would tell you there's a little more involved. Yeah, there's a little bit of preparation that goes into it. Yeah. And there's also that whole getting up in the middle of the night thing if mm-hmm. you do a morning show. Yeah. Which that's worth at least two hours yeah. to me. Well, and also people um, people would always do the, the, the tiny violin thing. When yeah. I would talk to them about getting up, you know, they'd say, what time do you get up? And I'd say, well, I'm around 3, 30, 4 o'clock. And then, but you're off at 10, you have the whole day. Yeah. Okay, then. What's your phone number? <laughs> I'm going to call you when I get up at 3.30. Every day. Um, we've got some uh, fun things lined up in uh, upcoming episodes. We have a list. We do. Yeah, I think we do. <clears throat> we'll have a meeting after you. Okay, have a sounds good to me. We, um, uh, I think we're uh, we've sketched out a, a list of guests who are all going to turn us down. Okay, and then we have another list of guests who probably won't turn us down. Hopefully, um, and uh, we've been lucky enough to have the great support of Pantelis and Mike Ward. Poseidon, Phil, and everybody else who's gotten involved in this. Um, And uh, we just want to uh, say thank you to those people and invite you to uh, join us for the next episode of Standing By, the Terry and Ted Podcast. Standing By, the Terry and Ted Podcast is sponsored by Jaguar Land Rover Laval because you're probably going to move up north at some point anyway, so you might as well drive a Land Rover and fit in. 
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.